my name is Tina Alexa, and I would like to welcome everyone, my tribe, to our podcast this week. I am interviewing a very special friend of mine. Her name is Shannon, and she has a very special story for us. You will not believe it. And I'd like to welcome Shannon to our podcast. Hi, Shannon. Hi, thank you for having me, Tina. <laughs> You're welcome. It's, it's so awesome to have you and tell, tell us your story from hopefully the beginning and yeah <laughs> i hear that it's still not an end yet so that's that's uh that's very interesting to see how long something can take and people don't believe us right yeah yeah oh my goodness yep <laughs> where do you want to start shannon with your story because i don't oh my know where to start with it yeah uh well i guess i could just start with uh just giving the basic understanding is that my mom passed away first and eight months later my dad passed away so i was just kind of thrown in the fire at 25 years old i have no siblings <laughs> i was executrix trying to figure it out and uh that was a lot <laughs> all at once your mom, your mom had a will yes uh, my mom had written a will because she knew she was passing so she she had cancer it was very quick like it all happened very quickly but she managed to get a will in place uh my dad had a, a will written from before he got married and it was now that he got married essentially it was going to be null and void according to what i was told and so when i went in to speak with them my dad now had just married a third wife <laughs> uh in china and in june and he passed away in october she wasn't here yet um and i think the will was made just before that marriage to disclude the previous wife <laughs> oh okay. so oh, yeah it was june, just before the june mark then yeah so okay. somewhere in there yeah and so anyways when i went in they told me that because he had remarried the will was null and void and uh the new wife would be entitled to the first hundred and fifty thousand of the estate so that was a bit of a heart attack, but very quickly we learned that they had changed the law 21 days before his death and his will would be valid and it would be okay. And the will had named me beneficiary of everything, um, had left some money to my kids. And uh, so we thought, okay, this is gonna be a heck of a lot easier than we thought it was gonna be 48 hours ago. So <laughs> really thought this was gonna be clear cut and dry, no other siblings, no other beneficiaries. I'm the executrix, let's go, let's do it. No problem. Right, sounds well, easy Sorry? Sounds easy enough. So sounds easy enough. Um, so the first thing, oh, you know what? I will say, I just totally forgot. I couldn't find the will. That's right. He told, he told me it was somewhere in the house. Well, I tell you, my dad was a hoarder. So somewhere in the house was two weeks with five or six friends and family digging through every corner of this house, emptying boxes, looking for a safe, perhaps. <laughs> yeah, going through his yeah. filing cabinet. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Everything went through his office 16 ways from Sunday, um, checked all his places you know like I found his rings in his one hiding place I found um uh just certain paperwork in another hiding place uh we found a little bit of money in one of his other hiding places you know kind of thing. <laughs> couldn't find the will couldn't find the will I started thinking there was a safety deposit box maybe you know I started calling the bank they weren't telling me there was anything so uh, you know I couldn't figure it out and uh we found a safe buried in the back of I don't even know where in the garage 
called somebody up as the executrix to get it opened. We opened it up and inside was a map of Home Depot, all like all the Home Depots across Canada, some fireworks, <laughs> some old pictures of my mom, like old pictures of my mom. No will. Oh dear. I found the will. Here you thought you had the jackpot. Oh my, oh totally. Like there was nothing even in there of any interest to me. (laughs) And so I found the will finally by going through every single paper on the floor of his office. He just had piles of paper and it was under it was in a pile of paper that looked like stuff he would be recycling like stuff he's getting rid of you know flyers and everything it was in that pile underneath a package of tomato seeds you know and I just I was blindsided I thought it was a copy like I thought it wasn't real like I just yeah. and that was it that was the one I don't know how it ended up there <laughs> so, you thought you've seen things actually right <laughs> oh gosh yeah it was just Oh my goodness. So that was the first couple weeks of trying to get life in order. So we finally get there. We go to the bank and the bank originally tells me, sorry, you can't do anything with the house. You know, we're just taking it. We're foreclosing. And I'm like, okay, how does everybody else on the planet do it when their family member dies that they, you know, there's a way to take over the mortgage or there's, there's something I've never heard of this before, you know? And uh, so that took a few days of figuring out uh there was complications with his lawyer he had a lawyer previously from his marriages that guy wouldn't give me a copy of the will prior to because he had a copy wouldn't even let me see it unless i paid him five thousand dollars so he got reported to the uh legal data of canada and i had issues with him when it came to the mortgage because he had information for the mortgage and he was had to go back and forth with the bank and so that was a whole other thing and so even though he had this lawyer who had a copy of his will, like, worry about who you trust. This was a guy that at the time just worked out of his townhouse. And I mean, we see more of that now, but not back then, right? Right. So, yeah. So anyways. It was like um, a roadblock and a roadblock every time you. Constantly. And the emotional turmoil, like the emotional trying to you know, figure out how you're going to deal with that. And, and, and I had no access to his emails. I had no access to any of his banking. I had, you know, absolutely nothing. I didn't even know what was going on with this lady in China. She didn't even speak English. And I had to call her now on a video call and go with Google translate to, you know, talk to her and tell her what was going on. Um, but I had no access to any of the documentation for her or anything that way. I had no idea what was going on. I didn't even know if I could take over the house at this point. It was just like, I was getting misinformation left, right, and center on top of everything else. So, Shad, did you know if the marriage was actually real or not? Like, if it was... It, actually- it was considered valid. Uh, however, the marriages work in China are considered valid in Canada. Um, but when it came to... There was some other part of it because she hadn't come yet. There was some other little part in there that kind of you know, was loose. So I had to inform her of everything I was doing, even though she wasn't a beneficiary, I had to inform her of everything I was doing. And I was fine with that, of course. You know, um, I, I, that video call with her was probably the hardest thing I've ever had to do. Sorry. Yes, because there's a lot of feelings for yourself and feelings for, for her. And you didn't, you didn't know her, but no, I, I didn't. I mean, I knew what you told me and I knew, I knew she seemed like a really good lady, 
you know, and here I was, I knew she had been in a position where legally at her end, she had basically disowned China. When you get married and you're coming to Canada, you're disowning your other country and trying to take that very seriously. So, and I had no way to help her with the mess that created on her end. There's nothing I could have done, you know, and she wanted to come for the funeral and everything. And, and the amount of paperwork and like, they wanted me to have, you know, $30,000 in the bank to take care of her. If anything happened for her to come here for the funeral for a few days, there was no way I could have done that. He didn't have it in the bank. I didn't have it in the bank, you know? So I had to essentially tell her no <laughs> without yeah. even being able to really explain why, you know, but anyways, uh, that was hard as it was, but Jeez. Uh, I came to, you know, taking over the house. Finally, I got through with RBC and they, you know, allowed me to come in every two weeks to make payments to just kind of keep going. We moved into the house to try and deal with everything. Because you your, your rent on your place and this mortgage, so you couldn't afford both, right? No, no, so between the mortgage something. and property yeah. taxes and everything. I mean, I was just kind of, I was living in a condo in Pitt Meadows. I had to, had to go. <laughs> so, but uh, they allowed that. And then I had issues with the house insurance. The home insurance didn't want to maintain the insurance on an execute uh, estate file. Right. So they didn't want to maintain and they kind of put me in the position of not having any home insurance if anything happened to this house, which is an old 1960s house. I mean, I need to have insurance on this thing, you know, yeah. um, but, but eventually we figured that out. But again, 500 roadblocks, you know, 500 different things. Um, I had to make so many copies of the will that were notarized because everybody wanted a notarized copy and I had to pay for that to be done every single time. You know, they weren't okay with just giving them the original for them to photocopy in office and then they would put on file. No, I had to physically give them a notarized copy. Right. Um, so that was another step that we just didn't even know was part of it. Oh, but uh, after that, I mean, it was every roadblock. I tried to do a lot of stuff on my own. I ended up hiring a lawyer eventually so he could just take over because I, I had done it for two and a half years and I couldn't do it anymore, you know. So, and, and in the grand scheme of things, you know, the money to have the lawyer was, we'd make it work somehow, you know. And your dad had a business to complicate matters. Yeah, and yeah. And truck. I'm sorry? And he had a truck. Yeah, he actually had a couple vehicles. Okay. He had a couple vehicles. Uh, one had full insurance, so I was able to file and just get the loan paid out. Um, trying to find the documentation for that truck, I had to find the original whatever was signed in office. Like there was a, you know, this whole layout of what people were going to pay, uh, what you're going to pay, and the insurance document was attached to it. Well, it was really faded; you could barely see it. So they did try to argue it at first. Oh no. And uh, I, I mean, I had my aunt calling in too and we were just reaming them out for this. <laughs> so eventually they just kind of, you know, went with it, but it was a little bit of a challenge at first. They didn't really want to do it because yeah, this document for whatever reason, um, the heat, whatever they did for the heat printer or whatever that's called, um, it just didn't take very well and you could barely make out the information, you know, just barely. Uh, the other truck they took, yeah, he didn't have the insurance on it, so they took it and they told me that they were going to store it as long as they liked, 
and uh, auction it off. And the estate would have to not only pay the difference, but would also have to pay some ridiculous amount of money per day in storage. And it would be a minimum of two weeks before they could get to it. I, I can't remember, but I think it was like $200 a day for storage fees, but they weren't able to get to it for two weeks. And then however much longer it took after that. So um, that was a lot of emailing back and forth. That was a lot of, are you serious? <laughs> um, they did probably a couple months later, I think, uh, I basically received an email that just said it was signed, sealed, and dealt with. I never received a bill. They never charged me anything, so they let it go. So that was pretty, that was great. That was uh, the best news I had had in the whole process. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, but uh, the business, that wasn't too bad. That actually wrapped up a little easier than I thought it would. We had to just shut it down. There was no maintaining it. There was no nothing. Uh, that was really hard on all the employees. That's definitely many, where it was the hardest. How many employees were there? Uh, I think he had six or seven, and a handful of them were young families. So, you know they were there was only one of them that was really angry about the whole situation everyone was very you know i mean i i, I went from you know just living at home and doing my own thing to he passed away and within 24 hours we were doing a big meeting with all these employees and i got to run to these job sites and go collect all this stuff and we had people trying to steal his equipment the minute they found out he was dead like off of the 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 all the locations he was a painter so we had a lot of ugly stuff going on. It was just insane. I had one of his clients, uh, interpreters, because he, he didn't speak English, uh, texting me to tell me I needed to come right now to Vancouver to come pick everything up. And I'm over an hour away because these guys are trying to claim it's theirs and take it. And he knew it wasn't, you know. So, I mean, it was just, it was nonstop. Why did like, rats come out when you're trying to deal with something that's so difficult? Just to complicate things. Yeah, no, there's a whole other ugly, ugly little things here and there I could add in, but man, I will say I never had any issues with family members coming and <laughs> all my family that could jumped in the best way they possibly could, you know. So was there anything that was not difficult in this whole thing or was it every single step of the way was difficult? I don't remember you saying anything was easy. No, I, I think the only thing I could think of is when I started dealing with the lawyer, you know, they take over a little bit, right? So that yeah. was a, a relief, but Turn the light on. <laughs> no, <laughs> absolutely not. And you know what? My aunt dealing with my mom's estate would say the exact same thing. She could probably give you 10 times more on how hard it's been, you know, <laughs> Yeah, and she and my mom didn't have anything. She was renting an apartment. She didn't even have a car. Like she didn't have anything. She had sixteen hundred dollars in the bank. Like, and how did how hard was that then? What what was the hardest frustration? The biggest problem in the whole thing is when my parents were together, they had a timeshare. When my parents divorced, my mom took it with her. 
and and you know just maintained the payments and went for the every two week trip you know um and somewhere in the writing of that thing she signed up for a 99 year contract and it has been six years and about ten thousand dollars or more to a lawyer to try and get rid of this timeshare my name's not on it but it says it goes to the beneficiary of my mom's estate and I have, and it, seen, I have seen the contracts written like that. Yeah, yeah. And I mean, it was signed when I was 11. So I, I really had no, <laughs> no stake in that, right? Like, yeah. and uh, it, it is wrapping up, but it is, uh, you know, it's like, oh, it's almost done. Oh, there's this one other thing we forgot in 2017 to finalize, you know, oh, it's almost done. Oh, there's this one other thing from, you know, whatever. <laughs> did you end up getting it or did you have to sell it back to them or what what happened? we were i was just trying to give it to them just take it and go they wouldn't even take it they wouldn't they, they didn't they wouldn't allow us to sell it they wouldn't take it <laughs> they wouldn't allow me to give it to anybody else like just take it and go <laughs> blood from a stone my mom had no money you're not getting anything like <laughs> wasn't that on Seinfeld or something take it and yeah go. yeah, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, no, it's still going. It's still going. And so they, what is the outcome going to look like for that then? There'll be nothing left and hopefully it'll just be gone and it'll wrap up and that'll be it. So, so they think they're going to take it back. Is that what they're thinking now? That's what they're trying to push them to do is just take it back. Yeah. So we is ended up hiring a, a timeshare, uh, specified lawyers uh, firm in the States to deal with it because we were, we couldn't get anywhere in Canada with this thing. So we had to hire somebody in the States that specializes in timeshare exits basically to get out of it. And, and yeah, we just want them to take it. And they, every year that goes by, they want us to pay the 800 or $900 that you would have normally paid. Right. So every year that goes by, they just tap on more, then they fight it more and they want more. And I mean, she died so in 2014. <laughs> yeah, so technically the true timeshare, it should have just been sent to you and would you have taken over the payments or said I would like to sell it or what would normally if without them fighting, what would normally have happened? Yeah, well, normally I would have had to accept it and then do what I want with it basically. But in the meantime, maintain the payments. And I basically refused to take it because I knew it was a problem. <laughs> so I never laid claim to it. I never uh, allowed that to happen basically to manifest. Okay. Um, but yes, that would be what it is, is they just wanted me to take over and just keep going. That's all they, they wanted out of it. So, yeah. But technically, don't you just get it? Do you still have to make payments on it? I still have to make payments. I have to maintain. Yes, I've maintained the contract. Okay, so in the contract it says it goes to your beneficiaries, but it doesn't say to your beneficiaries to continue the payments. Uh, you know, I never looked at it that closely, but <laughs> I'm sure it's in there somewhere. I never fully dealt with it. My aunt's dealing with it, but you know, that is that is part of it, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say to people listening out there? Um, let's take your mom's passing. Um, what would you say to people that you've gone through that you could say, you know, please do these things because it's 
not fun for who's left behind. Oh man, if my moms, I don't, I don't really know what to say about that because my, my advice would be never get a timeshare. Um, <laughs> um, I mean, it's not like your parents or, or family members can predict when they're going to pass. So, you know, ideally it's like, can you get rid of it before your beneficiary or your executrix has to deal with it? But I don't know what to do with them. I just have a really sour taste of those in my mouth because everything else worked that way um her will and everything went well in every other way i will say the one big hiccup was she had a life insurance policy through her new job and she put it as she never checked off like put a name she just left it she was just told you have this policy for when you die if something happens goes to your family well it it goes to the estate so that policy paid for this lawyer to get rid of this uh thing it never went to me it never went to my aunt it never went to anybody it went to the estate and that estate keeps draining until everything else is taken care of so if you're gonna have any kind of policy make sure you've listed who and don't leave it to the estate never that's correct i preach that all the time yeah (laughs) check your policies (laughs) make sure they're up to date You know, some people don't care. I've come across the odd person who says that, you know, it could say estate because they don't really have anyone to give it to. So I can see in that case, you know, sometimes that might happen. But if anyone's listening out out there to make sure that your life insurance policy, whether it's personal or through a business that you are part of, um, to ensure that the beneficiaries are listed, you can have multiple beneficiaries, you can have one beneficiary, and you can have a contingent beneficiary as well, in case mm-hmm. something happens to the both of you, which it could happen. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, um, people do that all the time because they, um, they think that that's okay, but it's, it's not. It just gets swallowed up by whatever fees, taxes, you know, whatever. I mean, it's nice if you got a small one to help with, say, probate fees and things like that, because you can pay some of those things through the estate. Um, But what you can use out of the estate account is also extremely limited. And I think a lot of people don't know that when they kind of, you know, oh, it'll be fine to just leave it. They don't realize just how limited that is and how many hoops you're executors, family members, whatever, need to jump through to just access the money to pay for the funeral even, you know, like it's just, <laughs> that's what it's there for, is it not? Like, you know, yeah, so it's it's challenging. <laughs> so it's almost like when you want to have access to that account for the estate, you have to almost make like an application process for every single thing that you are going to withdraw it's not it has to be a matter of going to the atm and getting the money out and paying for the fee. no no you have no access that way i mean even for me say for instance if i um you know was sharing this situation with somebody else um as the executrix i can bill for gas i can bill for time i can bill for appointment like everything that way um even dump runs taking stuff to donation, whatever I'm doing. Um, you, even though I can bill it, it doesn't actually get paid out until probate's done. So in the meantime, I got to figure out how I'm paying for all those extra things, right. all those extra expenses. Which yeah. people don't realize. And when you don't have that excess amount sometimes to, yeah. to have. 
Done. As a spouse or something like that, if you have a shared account, obviously the access goes to you. But if you're in a situation where you're children or otherwise just, you know, executrix of, of somebody's stuff, uh, you know, even my grandmother's situation, she's put me down as a, a power of attorney so I can access things. But once she passes, I can't access anything at all. It just gets shut down until everything's dealt with. So even if I want to maintain and keep going forward and I'm helping the executor deal with stuff, we don't get paid for any of that. <laughs> you know? So, I mean, if you got the money to do it and you can manage it and you can put it into the situation with probate when you're sharing any type of benefits with anybody, it's fine. Um, but if you can't afford it, a lot of people can't, you know, somebody passes away and there's money, a little bit of money sitting there and they can't access it. They can't afford it to get the things done. How are you going to pay for the lawyer? How are you going to pay for the processes? Right. So. And how are you going to pay for the wishes that you know that that person wanted? Whatever yeah. it might be a big party or whatever that might look Completely. like. Yeah. yeah so yeah. that's why I, I sometimes talk about life insurance and how just a little bit you know, ten, twenty thousand dollars sometimes can just help alleviate the pressures at that time. Yeah, completely, completely. Yeah. yeah. So, um, how long has it been now for your moms and for your dads that you've been doing this? Uh, mom is six and a half years, and dad's is six years. Is that right? Yeah, six and a half and six years for, so six and a half for mom, six for dad. And dad's essentially the probate did wrap up six months ago. Um, but then I had to wait six months for anybody to attest the, this, the will basically. Um, and once that six months rolled over, then I was allowed to start doing things. I was allowed to take over the mortgage and all that kind of stuff. So we had to wait for that. So, so you waited six years by paying the mortgage, living in the house, and it's never been yours. It's still been the estates. Whole time. Has it benefited me time. that way at all? Yeah. <laughs> That's like a huge amount of time. I, I'm going to say the one broker we're dealing with right now, he says he's never even heard of a bank allowing it to go for that long they often come and say, you have 30 days or we're foreclosing, even though you're making the payments. Right. Even though you're making the payments. I've been paying property taxes. I don't get the homeowner's grant. Um, he was behind when he passed and I haven't been able to catch up. So there's fees there every time. You know, I just paid the year we're at and keep going kind of thing. Um, there's a lot of things, even with the house insurance, I don't get any discounts because it's not in my name. I'm the, I'm the executor right? I'm just dealing with an estate file. So that's some other little tidbits there is you don't get any, you don't gain any of those benefits by having it in the estate. Things need to be shifted over into your name as soon as possible. So you're not paying extra fees, extra taxes, extra everything. <laughs> so what could, I mean, six years, it's, it's an unbelievable amount of time that you've been dealing with this and not being able to you know, get the mortgage on the place and, and feel like you've moved on and accomplished this huge journey that I would not wish on anyone. Mm -hmm. um, I wouldn't wish a divorce on anyone and I would not wish this on anyone. Your moms or your dads, they're both complicated 
and really and truly my goal out there is to tell everybody it doesn't have to be this way but for us to fix fix ourselves first make sure we have a backup plan and then help those that we love around us like if your mom and dad were still here and if you started doing yours then you could have these family meetings with them Mm -hmm. and say Mm -hmm. hey you know i've just done this for myself where is your this and where is this and where will i find this even if you don't give us specifics of dollar amounts or anything i just want to know where it is (laughs) yeah for sure for sure i mean what would you do differently well like I said, with my mom's, that's pretty tricky with uh, the timeshare, but uh, I would have been reviewing any policies she had that way. Uh, we definitely would have been had yeah, been having bigger conversations about anywhere her money was or wasn't and what was going on, because I didn't really know where anything was or what was going on. Um, it, you know, my aunt obviously tracked a lot of that down, so I wasn't necessarily part of that process. But yeah, I knew nothing about where anything was. I didn't even know she had the policy at work. Um, so I would have wanted to know more about those policies going on and, you know, how she was dealing with that. With my dad, that's a whole other bigger one. I mean, we had originally had a conversation about somehow adding me to the mortgage now that I was older and grown and, you know, whichever he knew his health wasn't that great. So, um, I would say if you guys are having conversations like that, do it. because <laughs> there's so many so much difference if you can do something like that I mean that's obviously between family members and and whatnot but same concept knowing where this papers are putting your will somewhere where it should be <laughs> you know maybe making sure your family members have a copy that would be great um, if you can if you don't want that well making sure you got a lawyer that's not gonna un- tell them that they gotta pay eight grand before you can start you know um, man I don't even know what else you know just all the, all the things all the things having a place for all the things for somebody to go to when they pass away because trying to spend all your time tracking that down in the middle of grieving is 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 while still trying to work and raise your own family or whatever you're doing in your realm and you have two kids of your own too i've got two and then a stepdaughter so i've got three going (laughs) it's not like your life stops to, to to do this like you have your own life too which has been difficult in the whole process yeah you need to have those tough conversations with family members. You need to to meet with a lawyer, you know, whether you're going to be a power of attorney or they want someone else to be or whatever. Those conversations need to happen. And and they need to happen before, like they need to happen before they think they need to happen. Because <laughs> my parents were 54 and 58 when they passed away. We were not expecting that. We knew my dad's health wasn't that great because he was diabetic and, and had, a, had had a heart attack, you know, at, at age 42. But those conversations still hadn't happened. Really. It, I mean, it right. doesn't. My grandmother's on like her sixth heart attack and she's almost 90 years old, still going strong, like <laughs> living on her own, you know. <laughs> so if you can tell anyone today is to get yourself prepared and start doing things to help that and help those that you love because you are going to be the ones that have to look after it after that's right 
That's right. And and I I would like to think that if my mom and dad realized what was going on and what it was going to entail, they would have done it different. They would have done it different. And know? that's why I'm trying, trying very hard to get out there to people and make them realize about all the intricities in our lives. You know, the timeshares, the property ownership or the partnerships and the businesses and we own a vehicle but it's only in our name so what happens at death or what happens when someone's sick can you use that car can you access yeah. that car um all of these things that you don't learn or maybe you think it's going to be okay and then when you go to do it like you did you find out it's not that way and and i had thought that a lot of what my dad had set up ahead of time was going to work you know um we had had conversations about it we had tried to set up things a little bit but you know the last couple of years of his life he just got very involved in in trying to find someone new in his life and kind of fell off the wayside and we never did deal with the house we never did deal with the bank accounts we never did deal with insurance policies i'd found insurance policies that have been cancelled in the last five years that they had had for 20 years like life insurance policies that would have been there that were just gone within the last couple of years, you know, and no, and not another one redone or changed or, you know, I, I don't know what he was doing. I don't know what he was doing. Right. Know. And so. um, what about bank accounts? Do you think you got all of your mom's bank accounts? Like, cause that's a hard thing to find when you don't know where their bank accounts are because many people don't have just one bank. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I honestly, I will never know if there was one more hidden thing somewhere from either of them. I'll never know. I just did basically not only the lawyer, he did a thing for my dad later. He did more of a full banking scan and looked around and I'd like to think that's good, but he did advise me that there is still always that chance that there's something floating around out there, you know, and, and, you know, that is what it is, but <laughs> Well, and, and that's where all the unclaimed money comes from in both Canada, UK and the States that that we don't know what was maybe an investment left or I, I had that when I was 15 and my parents started it and, and it's still sitting there and lo and behold, you're 55 now and you you forgot to write that down in anything that you have. So nobody knows it's yeah. still there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, anything from little GICs or anything going, you know, he had, uh, my dad had opened a T TFSA a couple months before he passed and put that in my name. So there was 500 bucks, I think, sitting there, <laughs> you know, yeah, I mean, I mean, I was like, kind of like, oh, my goodness, he left something like he did a, he did a thing, you know, um, but I had no idea about it. Nobody told me that it was there, you know, so. I got approached about it from, I think RBC approached me about it, that they found it, you know, so. Well, that was, but I had no idea it was there. Yeah. yeah. Well, any, everything helps. And I guess we're grateful for whatever journey we brought on for a reason. And maybe it's to tell your story to everyone. Um, yeah. I'm so sorry that you've had to go through that. And uh, I'd like to hear, you know, maybe in another year, it's all going to be <laughs> tied up I hope for um, and I, I appreciate your stories because I've learned so much through you and I'm sure everyone else will as well 
um, with your stories and I'd love to have you come back and maybe give us another update. I'm sure that there's something that comes up all the time for you, Shannon, that uh, I'm sure nothing surprises you now. Yeah. Not, no, not really. I, uh, I can always give you some updates too on, you know, we have a blended family. So writing our own wills and doing all that stuff is very complicated. It's even worse. <laughs> so if you uh, ever want any update on that and how that looks, because I know a lot of people out there, blended families that have no idea where to even start, you know, and I'm just kind of starting on that journey now, realizing I need to get my ducks in a row too. <laughs> yes. Yes, we do. And not, keep putting it off because there's yeah. no better time than doing it. Yeah. And that's what I really try to promote. So yeah, we will get an update um, maybe in a few more months from you, Shannon. I appreciate, I love having you come on and tell us stories and give us tips and, and they're all great tips to use because people need to hear it. Yeah, and, uh, they do. So uh, I'll tie it up for now, Shannon. Thank you again for your great interview. Um, I'd like to send um, shout outs to everybody out there listening to our podcast. Please like, share, and subscribe to our channels. We're on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. And um, you can listen to the podcast on six different channels. And I just want to say, because the fires are out of control right now, still in California, still in British Columbia, in the Pacific Northwest, and I want to let everybody know that we have a five-minute evacuation notice. What would you take with you? We can't grab everything in five minutes, people. We grab water, our kids and our pets, and sometimes our spouses and get into the car. That is it. So um, please, please think about these things, the what ifs, what can I do today to help tomorrow, um, all of these things, because it's going to help you and it's going to help your loved ones. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming out today again, Shannon. I really, thank really you for appreciate having me. it. And uh, I love hearing your stories and we'll continue. And I'm sure you'll be requested by many to hear your story again. <laughs> Thanks, Tina. Glad to be here. Uh, thank you. Bye. Bye, everybody.